Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Hello, hello. Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. For those of you that are regular listeners, welcome back. For those of you that it's your first time, I'm so happy that you're here. I am very pleased to introduce to you Romy Toussaint. And I looked online. I wanted to go out of my comfort zone. I wanted to find someone who looked inspirational in the field of yoga. I saw a great article on Romy, reached out to her, and she agreed that she would like to be a guest. And the conversation was amazing. And I'm so happy that you're here to listen to it. I'm going to put the links in the show notes below, but please check out Romy at romyoga.com. So it's spelled R-O-M-Y-O-G-A.com. You'll find her on Instagram with the handle R-O-M-Y-O-G-A, so Rome Yoga. And you'll also find her on Facebook at Rome Yoga. So everything's nice and coordinated here. <laughs> if you want to shoot her an email and send her some love and appreciation after the discussion, uh, I'll even I'll, I'll try to include that in the show notes. It's romeyoga at gmail.com. Hopefully she doesn't mind. Hopefully she won't get like blasted with a ton of emails. But actually, if you guys write back and say positive stuff, we'd love to get blasted by some information from you guys. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, let me just go ahead and get us started here. All right, here we go. I am so pleased to have Romy Toussaint here today. Romy, how are you doing? I am very well, thank you. I, I'm so excited to have a chance to talk with you. I found you via a really well-written article about how dynamic you are and how much inspiration you've brought to your yoga community in New Jersey. Can you tell me a little bit about how you first found yoga? Like what, where, how did you get started? Oh, I love this. I got started because I've always been a workout sort of gym rat person. Yeah. And I was working out in the gym. It was back in 1992. Oh, yeah. I hate to say that because a lot of people are like, when, when was that? I wasn't even born. But, um, <laughs> I, was, I was working out and the trainer said, hey, Romy, have you ever done yoga? And I was like, no, I haven't. And so he gave me a Brian Kess yoga videotape. Yes. And I went home. I took it. I went home. I watched it. And then I proceeded to do the whole practice. Yes. And that was when I first I fell in love. And I remember waking up the next day uh, feeling like places in my body that were like I had never felt before. <laughs> and I call out sick because I was like, I can't move. And then <laughs> I played the video again and I like, I did it again. And I remember from the very first time I did that yoga video, feeling this connection with myself in a way that I never felt before, not just physically, yeah. but this thing that I could not name. It was like, I don't know, it was this connection to this part of myself that was not nameable and that I didn't really recognize. But I know it was that moment where I felt like, wow, uh, I want more of this. And I need more of it. So ever since that time, I 
I purchased the other two videos of his and, and did them for like every other day and became a student of yoga. That is at so, that time. That's so cool to hear. I, and I'm guessing because 92, we're talking VHS. Yes. Yeah, we're I going still way, have that VHS you video. Still, <laughs> I know, I've saved some of my VHS yoga tapes because I'm like, these things are just classic. We got to hang on to them. Uh, and, yeah. and so your first experience was via the medium of, well, I won't say it was analog at that time, but mm -hmm. through video, which is really cool to think, because I know a lot of people, their first experience is going to a studio and to a class, but you got mm -hmm. the, you had the motivation to do it at home to a, to a video. That's really cool. Yes, it absolutely was. And I think Brian Kess is a super engaging teacher who mm -hmm. has a way of really challenging you physically, which worked for me, um, as well as inserting philosophy into mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. you know, that I didn't even understand into the practice. And so I think that's, that's what really caught my attention. Like, you know, he was saying things like, be where you are because you're already there. You know, I was like, what is that? You know, like, hmm. <laughs> it's really making me curious. And from that moment on, I became a student of yoga and living in central Jersey, the closest place that I, you know, when I looked up yoga teachers, it was Baron Baptiste was in Philadelphia around that time. Yeah. So I would go to his weekend, you know, intensives and classes and things like that. Yes. And then there was a local yoga studio nearby that was an Iyengar yoga studio. So I would do every weekend workshop that they had there and really became a student of Iyengar yoga and Baron Baptiste and other other teachers too, and just would, would study every moment I had. That's amazing. What was going on in your life around that time? Were you a student? Were you? A, a, did you have a family at that point? What? How busy were you, or were you able to just like really dive into yoga? Yeah, I was. I was super busy. I was, I was a mom. Mm -hmm. uh, I had two children at the time, mm. and I was also a professional. I worked full time. Mm -hmm. I. Um, I. I think I might have been coaching. Yeah, I think I was coaching uh, one or two of my son's soccer teams. Mm. <laughs> so I was super busy. And I also played volleyball because I was a collegiate volleyball player. And I would play volleyball whenever I could. So at that time, I was super busy. and I, But I was just really in love with this new thing that was yoga. And it just felt like it was my time yeah. to do something for myself. And so it was easy to carve time to get away and, and do that. It felt really valuable. That's really cool. Can you explain what the vibe was like? Because, I mean, 92 was, where are we talking? Wait, 92, 2002, 2012, 2000, almost. <laughs> so we're going back 30 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. What What was the yoga scene like? And I mean, I know you said there were, wasn't a lot of options to practice. Yeah. But what was the vibe like going into the Iyengar studio back then? Were people really excited about yoga? Was, there, was it seem pretty exciting? Or what was the overall vibe then? Say it was it was very exciting. I mean, I remember my one specific teacher, um, Joe, um, Joe Carter, who was uh, just you know would just be so friendly. And I, I, when I think about Iyengar, I think of really regimented, mm. you know, like alignment, you know. And we yes. would have guest teachers who were senior Iyengar teachers who would come through and focus on all of that. But there was something about Joe Carter who was just so friendly and full of life. And that just brought a different um, vibe to yeah. her yoga studio. That yeah. was Iyengar, just super friendly and just yeah. like, you know, Romy, you're really strong, but you don't have to like use your force in downward dogs. So, mm. you know, here's how you can relax into this. You know, uh -huh. really you, you can't, you can't keep focusing on that force on that strength all the time. 
Yeah. So, you know, bringing that balance. So I, I feel like I was surrounded with really uh, wise teachers mm. at that time. Nice. And so, and even when I would travel to like the yoga conferences back then, like the yoga journal conferences early on, I would seek variety, you mm. know, like Sadie Nardini, um, you know, um, I can't even think of those names back then. Eric Schiffman, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, <laughs> I've heard great um, things about John, him. I, I've never had a chance to practice with him, but everyone I've met that's practiced with him always says really nice things about him. Yes. Yes. Um, so being able to take workshops with people like that and just get a variety, I think there was a woman named Mary Laverty who I remember taking a handstand workshop with and she was like, well, I did my first head handstand when I was like 50 something. And, and back then I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> And then she says, you know, and then I could hold it for like one minute when I was like 53. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of hope, you know, and there's a lot of growth. (laughs) That's really cool. Did, um, how long did you practice and or what was the evolution to the point of you getting excited about yoga and then having a moment where you thought maybe I want to actually teach yoga? Yeah. So from 92 to about, um, 1998 for about six years I was really a student of yoga um, I should say that I I used to teach uh, fitness classes mm-hmm. um, like I was an aerobics instructor so I just love all, all of those things so I think I was a natural teacher I grew up in high school and college I was a swimming instructor during the summers cool and I, I remember like jumping in the water to teach a, yoga, uh, a water aerobics class when one of the aerobics teachers didn't show up and so I feel like I'm I've always been in teaching, so for me, teaching was easeful. Yeah, um, it was just another modality. Yeah, which um, I found very profound. Like I know, I know, noticed long before I started teaching a yoga class that I was inserting yoga philosophy even in my cardio classes, even in my spin classes. I would take people on journeys. Uh-huh. That to me was very um, meditative. You know, even though I was teaching a kick butt you know, climbing <laughs> yoga class, uh, yeah. <laughs> spin class. So I feel like I, I started adding it into those things. And then it was around, I would say around 2000, 2002, when I started just to really shift to letting go of all of my other classes and just teaching yoga, really going deeper into teaching yoga only and not all the cardio classes. Yeah. And it was sort of a shift. So after I had my second batch of boys, like I say, I, my two older, my had, after I had my two younger sons, I stayed, I became a you know, stay-at-home mom yeah. and um, did not go to work formally and just, so just taught more classes in my spare time to pay for my gym membership and just really started switching to teaching yoga. And so then I started looking for teacher training and just did more study uh, with, uh, again, Baron Baptiste, John Domenico, and all the Iyengar studio. I also did some study with Rolf Gates, yes. who I uh, just knocked me over with his philosophy, like just like <laughs> He's I was like, wrote, "Whoa!" Is his book Medita- "Meditation from the Mat"? Meditations on the Mat. Yeah, yeah. I have that yeah. One. So I got to study with him in person in Philadelphia when he would come in because he used to work closely with Baron Baptiste. That's right. And so I spent some time with him at Kripalu. And I just love his way of teaching life lessons on the mat. And he's just so, he's just got such a beautiful voice and a beautiful way of flowing and really 
making you work so hard, yet really come back to the yamas and the niyamas. Nice. You know, to moderation, to, you know, truth, to love. And so, yeah, so I started, that's when I really um, started teaching fully more yoga and just um, started to deepen my practice. And then at some point, I think it was around 2007, when my husband and I built, uh, we had a chance to build our own house and mm-hmm. we built it with a basement that was just wide open. So with the idea of doing a yoga studio nice. in, in the basement. And Did, so and you, you decked it out with, so this is in Jersey, so I'm thinking obviously like a nice heating system and. and yeah. And, first it was just a basement, <laughs> but we, we made it, we made it like a pretty high ceiling. You know, it was like 10 foot ceilings and a, yeah. a two sliding glass doors. So it had a lot of light and we, we stained the, the cement floor painted the walls my friend who are artists painted a you know the walls a beautiful color and just like did a really nice view on the wall yeah and we put in a uh my husband installed like a gas heater and i started teaching yoga classes it really started with my personal training clients kind of like small groups Mm -hmm. and then i noticed it was those people who were coming into my public classes like where I was teaching in the gym. Yeah. And so one day the you know, the bell kind of rang in my head like, Hmm, if I have just three or four people come to my private classes, I make just as much as teaching a really big class in a gym yeah. or in a studio. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and that just really grew from there. I started teaching just like two classes at home and then it went to like four. And I really had a vibrant yoga studio for about five years in my home. I even did kids yoga because I studied, um, kids yoga as well nice um, um i studied with yoga ed yoga ed where you know it was a curriculum for schools so i started teaching that as well so i would do yoga camp in during the summer yoga for tweens and I had some guest teachers come so the studio was really great it was like coming down into the womb you yeah. know it was this place where we held space for that is that sounds amazing to be able to have it at your house i've always thought that would be such a interesting Mm -hmm. dynamic was there ever an issue where the neighbors were like how come so many cars are parking at romy's house or or was everybody you know pretty cool with that yeah you know i was really fortunate we lived in the cul-de-sac and there were only two other houses there so the space was open my neighbors were very very wonderful yeah Um, after a while i I, I knew that I couldn't continue to keep the yoga studio there because, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't sort of an under the table, not permitted thing. Yeah. But if we had big classes and it just, I just felt continually nervous about it. Yeah. I think we were also at the place where we could no longer afford to keep that house because, you know, we live in Lawrenceville, taxes are super high. <laughs> the, yeah. The, yeah. My husband yeah. is a mortgage banker and, you know, the mortgage <laughs> uh, era was not as great. So it was just not financially yeah feasible for us to keep that house yeah and so at so then i was had the opportunity to join uh, a local chiropractor who had been my my doctor who had this dream of having sort of a wellness center where yoga was included with the physical therapy with massage with chiropractic and acupuncture perfect so i was invited to join the practice where i ran the studio where i brought in my studio Um, my client and about a year later another yoga studio joined us so we really formed complete health yoga where i currently still teach nice you're still there yeah so i still teach there although Uh i teach only two two or three classes a week 
coming Got down to two now. Yeah. Uh, um, I've really evolved into doing more than just teaching yoga, but that is my home studio. That's really cool. It, feel, it sounds as if you've moved locations over the years, but have been able to maintain like a, a solid base, even though there was those little transitions. Yeah. So the transition went from my home yoga studio. Um, after a while, I stopped teaching outside of the studio, outside of my home. I just only taught at home. Yeah. But I would do yoga retreats and other, you know, guest teachings at other places. And then when I joined Complete Health Yoga, my yoga studio became part of that. And that's where I did all of my offerings. And we had a very vibrant community. And we still do until, you know, COVID sort of changed things. We're, now we're more virtual than yeah. anything. But that's my, you know, that's my yoga community. And it was an incredible support from the doctors who really wanted to make the yoga part of the whole practice. Oh, that's cool. You were working closely with the, like, local physicians? Just the... the or chiropr- well, oh, we yes, do I work understand. with other physicians, yep, but yep. The, yes, the, the owners of Complete Health gotcha. of Lawrenceville, you know, just really wanted to offer a space where where people came from physical therapy and um, chiropractic, you know, people who may have been injured to really shift to having yoga as their daily physical practice. Yes. Do yeah. most of the, I find that sometimes I come in, uh, across chiropractors that are really pro yoga and sometimes mm-hmm. I come across some that are saying, you know, you know, be careful of yoga and uh, n- maybe going as far as don't do yoga. Have you ever found that or do you find most, it uh, sounds like the people you work with are very pro yoga and, and seeing that they, that both chiropractic and yoga are very similar and, and can have equal benefit. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like our doctors are definitely very pro yoga, which is why they wanted to have a yoga yeah. studio yeah. there and and work you know diligently to. Although it was difficult and it still is challenging to really though get people to to you know move towards that. It's like this is your daily physical therapy. Once you're healed here, you know keep doing yoga. You're gonna get stronger and it's yeah. balanced and it brings in that mind body component. Um, so yeah, they're definitely very pro yoga. I'm curious because when I was having a little bit of a neck injury, I went to my chiropractor here and, and she said, what are you doing? And are you, are you, uh, what are you doing in your practice? And at that point I was doing a lot of headstanding and she was saying, mm-hmm. she was like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that for two months. And at the time I was like, how can I do my yoga without doing headstands? And mm-hmm. once I laid off the headstands, my neck started feeling better miraculously. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. where, <laughs> where are you nowadays with, with teaching students headstands and, or are you doing headstanding these days? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I, and I think it really brings us back to the first yama, which is nonviolent. Mm. And so I teach, uh, I have been teaching handstands, even even though most people can't do handstands, but even not me, just, you know, a handstand against the wall or yeah. downward dog handstand. Yeah. So I, I will say if a headstand is in your practice, you know, make sure that you're not feeling that kind of pressure. Yeah. And even shoulder stand, I think, is another one of those contraindicated postures that I don't really do because I feel when it, when I come out of shoulder stand, I feel like really weird pressure mm. <laughs> down my spine. And if I do do it, I do it with blankets and really focus on the INR alignment. Yeah. Um, that there's freedom in my neck when I do that. So typically in my classes, I will not really teach shoulder stand or head stand. Mm. I definitely do hand stand. We do a lot to keep the wrist strong because then you're off your neck and there's a lot of less, less a lot less pressure uh, on your neck. That sounds so, that sounds awesome that you had all that Iyengar training because that seems to make sense 
later on, if, if we start feeling injury, it seems like Iyengar yoga really kind of laid down a couple of great groundwork tools for learning how to modify. I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I, when I first started doing yoga, I, I was involved in a style where, um, it was looked down upon to go to other styles of yoga. And what mm. I'm impressed with is that it sounds like you really just kind of went for learning across the board. Like you went to Iyengar, you were able to pa- practice in the Baptiste style, which I know Baron has a background in Iyengar and Ashtanga mm-hmm. and hot yoga. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you, when you were really gung-ho and enthusiastic and, and going to all these different learning opportunities, did you find that people are very encouraging of you to take that wide angle approach or did you come up against um, that more like hardened like, you should only be with me and don't go anywhere yeah. else. Did you, did you bump into that much? I, I did not. I really did not. Um, I, again, my teacher, you know, Jill Carter was, you know, very much Iyengar based. So mm-hmm. I studied a lot with her, but I did not, I was naturally curious. Yeah. I actually studied Kundalini yoga with different Kundalini nice. teachers. Nice. I studied, um, Anusara, you know, cause it, so it, to me, it was just curious to see, to understand the differences between them all and, and what did I like? like? I love Kundalini yoga. I, I, I bring it in. I teach um, 6 a.m. yoga classes and that's like my rise and shine Kundalini and we chant and we do these Kriyas. I think it's for me bringing a Vata type that's just like naturally like, yeah, that brings my energy way up. Um, so I really enjoy that as well. And as I'm aging, I'm focusing on restorative yoga yeah. and yoga nidra mm-hmm. and so i i love the variety and i love inserting um different styles i think i'm a little bit add because <laughs> i get really bored and i don't <laughs> think i've ever taught the same yoga twice like yeah. uh, unless i was doing ashtanga yeah. so I, I i teach a different class all the time nice. you know i may have a style that yep. is very inclusive i i will start with kriyas um my latest teacher i've been studying with the last eight or nine years is Janet Stone. Mm. Um, she's out of San Francisco and it's really devotional yoga. And this is where I got introduced to chanting and mantra and just true philosophy. Um, and that really rocked my boat when I had to like chant out loud and lead chanting in classes. <laughs> and for me, it was, you know, growing up Catholic, it was like, we don't chant uh-huh. to, to the 80s, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> and to just reconcile that was yeah. a huge learning curve for me to just be okay with that and knowing that you know truth doesn't get erased. And and for me, all of those studies have deepened my relationship with God, yeah, and allowed me to just be open to taking the good out of everything and seeing the sacred in all things. So I love inserting different styles and I absolutely love chanting. What I love the most is helping people to take a little bit of this amazing philosophy, this great guidepost, this GPS that comes with the yamas and the niyamas and infuse it into their daily life. That's awesome, Romy. Is there an opportunity via virtual for those of us listening that if we want to join you, are you teaching virtually right now? I do. I'm teaching virtually. All my classes are virtual right now, and I teach on Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Um, Eastern Time. Cool. And um, I've been teaching 6 a.m. as well, uh, although I've, I'm moving. I'm traveling a lot in the next few months, 
Um, so my classes are sort of like on and off, but I do teach virtually. I also have a Vimeo channel under my name, Romy Yoga, yeah. that has a ton of classes that I've recorded that are there. Cool. I also have a YouTube channel as well, Romy Yoga, where I have classes that people can join me. Nice. I'll um, yeah. have all of those links in the show notes below. So if anyone wants to click on that, they can check it out. <clears throat> That's cool, Absolutely. Romy. I appreciate that. And I, I noticed um, that you have led retreats. I'm sure things have changed a little bit in the last year or two, but where are some places that you've taken people on retreat? I love retreats. I think it's such a great uh, way for people to really uh, arrive and settle in and unwind and unplug and reconnect to themselves. Mm. And so I've led national and international retreats. Um, this past weekend, I was just in Blairstown, New Jersey, on the Appalachian Trail. Nice. I had a weekend retreat. Yeah. I've I always wanted to <laughs> I want to hike the Appalachian, not the whole, I mean, I would love to do the whole thing, but I know it's a huge endeavor, but any section of it, I, I've, when I was in Tennessee, I just walked, I got to the trail, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. what's, what's the trail like where you are? So I'm in, I went right around, right on the Delaware water gap. So it's just right on the edge of Pennsylvania and New Jersey and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. It's also super rocky. It's uh, like rocky. I heard there's a so tough section up there of like, like you said, yeah. So like real thick, heavy hiking boots to make sure your ankles are okay and that type yeah, of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just have that bottom support, you know, so that yeah. all day long you're stepping on rocks. And so you're like, the bottoms of your feet are crazy. But the views, you know, once you're up there, it's just amazing views oh, uh, in the section that we were. Yeah. So you just hike up about a quarter mile or a little bit more and you're, you just have endless views. And I love taking people out into nature because they really get to reconnect and and strengthen the elements in their body. So when we do like a yoga and hiking retreat, it's just like the perfect combination. Yeah. And so I do that. I do lots of national retreats. I also do, I've been internationally, I've held retreats in Guatemala and Mexico and Costa Rica and Peru. And I'm going to Peru uh, in March, 2022. Nice. So, I'll have a nine-day retreat in Peru. Uh, that, that was an amazing place. I went there in 2018. And to see all the sacred sites in Peru, it's magical. I've never really been. Magical. I hear it's absolutely incredible. Everyone that's I've ever talked to that's gone always tells me, you got to do it. You got to go. You got to go. <laughs> that's amazing, Romy. That's so cool. How did you... I have two questions here in this direction. How did you handle... COVID in that respect? Cause it sounds like, you know, you're a very people person like mm -hmm. to be around people and lead retreats were now we have a little bit of opportunity to look back and see like, wow, the last year and a half, you know, I can see how I reacted to that initially and how mm -hmm. I feel now. Mm -hmm. How did you go through all that? Was it easy for you? Did you struggle? Well, it's interesting because Peru was happening when I was, uh, I was, in March, right, right in March when everything was closing, yeah, March 2019, yeah, right, yeah, I, we were in. I was leading a retreat in Costa Rica, oh, so wow. I was literally there trying to get home when our flights were delayed. Oh. And I was like, I should just stay for a couple of weeks and <laughs> write this out. Let me Maybe write this get out. Stuck here. Yeah. <laughs> Let me try to get stuck <laughs> but, somewhere. Let me yeah. try. But then they were like, "You come home now or forever." You know, you can stay there for a while. So we came <laughs> home, 
and spent the next couple of weeks just really transitioning. Yeah. I think even when I was in Peru, I was on the phone with the other teachers trying to figure out how to transition to virtual. Yeah. So I think our, our yeah. we closed the studio for like a week and then we transitioned to virtual and it was it was amazing. I think our numbers actually went up in the beginning because mm, yep. people were like looking for a way to stay in connection yeah, yeah. and because we couldn't, we didn't think we could even get out of our houses. Yeah. And so we transitioned pretty quickly and figured out all the Zoom, trained all the teachers, especially those who really weren't um, good with electronics and technology, <laughs> electronics, including yeah. myself, including myself. Yes. So, you know, so we, we figured that out. And what I remember was trying to find a way to keep people connected, even through Zoom. So I would open up the Zoom room early and have people talk to each other, just like I would do in our in our yoga class. Maybe even have prompts like, what's your body sensation and feeling and thoughts? Yeah. You know, so yeah. that people yeah. really had a chance to be vulnerable and really theme the classes with, you know, creating our own, you know, our own power, our own sense of resilience and our own connection with ourselves and so I feel like it was an opportunity to really grow and insert more yoga philosophy that was so helpful in people staying sane and grounded and strong and connected. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, so we continue to do mostly virtual classes because a, a lot of the people in our studio, I think, are older um, and are careful about coming back. Yeah in person yeah. we also because we were part of the physical therapy and chiropractic and they needed to spread their patients out so they kind of took over our yoga room yeah. <laughs> so now we sort of like share that space we don't have as much open times as we would like gotcha um, but, but, they, but we're working and people aren't ready quite yet to be fully back in person yeah it's taking some time isn't it yeah, it's taking some time. It's taking so some time. those who want to come, they come, yep. and those yep. others are happy to just log in from home because it's so convenient. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I know that's one thing I'm thankful for is the virtual element because that's something I always thought I would like to do, but it just seemed like more work than it would be feasible. And now that it's in place, I'm so happy to be able to keep it going. It feels mm -hmm. like why not just keep that going forever? Yeah, absolutely. I think there were a lot of advantages. There were people who were all over the world. I remember, you know, practicing with my old clients who, who could never practice with me because they were out of the country yeah. or they were mm -hmm. on the West Coast. And now they hop in and practice. Um, so there are some advantages to that. I feel like if people are kind of zoomed out now. They're, they're yeah, they're zoomed classes out. Classes are not, yeah, they're, instead classes of, are not as full. Instead of like, you're zoning out, now it's like, I'm zoomed out. I'm like, they're, they're zoomed out. I they're like, not, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm coming yeah. in. Yeah, we've noticed a big, um, well, I'm in Florida, awesome. but we've noticed a, yeah. a big transition lately, which has been kind of nice, people coming back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think maybe the winter might change it where people might, you know, where they've been outside more, maybe in the winter they'll come back more to the Zoom classes. But I think that that is definitely slowing down. Another thing I did during COVID is I taught, um, I have a year-long immersion that I teach where I focus on the 10 habits of Ayurveda, mm. which was so timely during COVID because it was habits to help you have the best health and, mm. and to really understand, you know, why it's important to have an earlier and lighter dinner, to go to bed early, to start your day right to include a bed, breath body practice, um, how to really focus on a plant-based diet, not being a vegetarian or a vegan, but a plant-based diet. So I teach people these 10 habits um, 
through a year-long immersion nice. and where we have a group, a sangha, you know, where you have a mm-hmm. community. It's a dynamic group. And so that was one of the things I did throughout the entire year. And it was great because, again, people were from all over the place, but they had a community, mm. yeah, a super a supportive point. community yeah. of like-minded people who kept them accountable, you know, so they could, you know, they slept better and they lost weight and they had more energy. And that is one thing that I continue to do and that I invite people to to check out because you get these habits and by the end of the year, of your year-long immersion, you've really automated those habits and you've you've gone through the holidays, through the birthdays, through all the things where you fall off the bandwagon and come back. And so I love teaching that because it's lifelong tools for people. And when they shift, they also shift their families, you know, and everybody feels better and and is healthier. Yeah, good point, Romy. That's amazing. That's so cool that you're able to keep that going. It sounds like it would give a lot of people some motivation because I know a lot of people struggle during during all of that. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious how you are handling the challenge of, say, leading a group to an international or national de- uh, national or international destination. We were scheduled to host a retreat in Thailand uh, in 2020. And so that obviously got canceled. And mm-hmm. I don't want to name the retreat center because I really want those guys to thrive and excel. And uh, we obviously kept postponing it. And recently I received information that like now the checklist for getting over there is like you got to travel from an approved country. Then you have to mm-hmm. apply for like a Thailand QR code. And then you have to provide a negative test within 72 hours of arrival. You have mm-hmm. to have uh, mm-hmm. insurance policy that for $50,000 yeah. I'll cover you in case you get sick there. And then you have to like make sure you have payment confirmation for the hotel where you're staying, which will cover the mm-hmm. cost of the test. When you arrive at the place, you have to show a certificate yeah. of vaccination, undergo entry screening when you get to the airport and then take the mm-hmm. COVID test when you arrive at the retreat center so that mm-hmm. you landed mm-hmm. and now you're ready to go. Does that yeah. seem daunting to you or does that just seem like, so what? Like, let's just move forward and just take on these yeah. challenges and just deal with it, everybody. And let's, it. let's keep going. Well, it, you know, it is absolutely daunting. And, and it's so wonderful when you get there. I was just at a retreat <laughs> yeah. called Girlfriend, Girlfriend Getaway um, <laughs> in St. Martin <laughs> last like, month. In, yeah. in early October, I was in St. Martin and it was the same thing I had to and you could only apply like a few days before. It was like four days before I had to apply to this website from the St. Martin government. Yeah. To, and I had to upload my vaccination card, my negative COVID test, and pay this fee, which was like insurance in case I get COVID there so that yeah. they could take care of me. Yeah. It was only $15, but I had to go through all of that. Yeah. And then once I got there, the retreat that I was part of, um, they tested us again. And then before we left 72 hours, before we left, we needed to get a negative COVID test to, you know, for the U.S. Yeah. for coming back. Yeah. And so there are all of those procedures there and it, it can be really daunting and uh, just a lot of work. Yeah. And I think it's just, it was one, it was the most amazing week that I had uh, in my life. I was yeah. on the beach. I was, yeah. I felt safe with the people who were there because we all went through the, all the same screening. So yeah. I know that I was yeah. with people who were negative, who yeah. were who were vaccinated and I felt safe. Um, The retreat center that I'm working with in Peru, they're very cooperative. I know that, I know that the protocols that they have there are all in place to keep us really safe. They work with me and I work with them to really make those procedures clear and we write them out. And I tell people as soon as they start so that they understand it. And I just, you know, just write it down and walk them through it because I think it's just worth it. 
It's yep. just yep. worth it to even even the local retreat that I had here. You know, it was just you know here are protocols, and we're going to be outside most of the time. And if you don't feel secure, just don't come. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. That's cool, Romy. Yeah. I appreciate your optimism because I feel like it's just going to be critical for us to rebound and mm-hmm. just do what we have to do, but let's keep having fun and enjoying life. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we can't yeah. live in isolation forever. Yeah. And yeah. even when we're in isolation, some of us still get COVID. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is when I, I think it comes back to, again, the habits that I teach people. The only thing that we have control over is our own immunity and how we can create a culture of health in our own bodies. So if we have habits so that we can thrive and stay strong and grounded, then we know we're doing something so that when we when we face those things, we're going to be okay, hopefully, yeah. right? We're, we're, yeah. we're showing up in our very best self. Yeah. So if we have habits where we get great sleep and we're nourishing our body with natural things, you know, with resilient plants that we can forage, then we are creating a culture of health in our bodies. And take that vitamin D and take your zinc, you know, yeah. do all yeah. of those things. Yeah. And then wear your mask and show up. Yeah. Awesome, Remy. You know, I agree. Do that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I I noticed that I can already tell that you'd be good at this, but I I um, saw that you do speaking and corporate training. Can you tell me a little bit how you went that direction, and what is it like to do? You get jitters before you stand up in front of a group and motivate in a corporate setting, or are you just naturally just kind of flow in that direction? How how has that evolved for you? Oh, no, I definitely get the jitters. I have to use all of my practices. I have to breathe. I stand in five-pointed star, and I open my arms, and I lift my heart, and I breathe, and I, I tell myself, you are amazing. You are amazing. You are good enough. Like, it's not even amazing. You are good enough. Because I think one of the common, if, if you knew me, you would know that there's a story that runs through my head all the time that says, I don't know enough. You're not good enough. Oh, my God, you can't do this. And it it runs through all the time and I just breathe and I tell that, that personality, that persona of mine, thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for loving me, but I am good enough. You know, thank you for that reminder so that I can go and prepare more. (laughs) So when I get that feeling, I prepare more and I remind myself that I'm good enough. And, um, and I also remember that there is something that I want to share with the world. I want to share with people ways so that they can manage their energy and access their vitality so they can do their work in the world. Yeah, and if I can yeah. make a difference in one person's life, then I'm doing that. So if I mess up, then then I tell, you know, I'm like, okay, how do I shift? How do I do better? What yeah. can I learn from this? Yeah. But I definitely get scared, so I prepare and then I breathe. What was and your... And I think I... Yeah. No, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, please. I, I think I... No, I was just going to say, I think I, I think it's a gift too. Once I get there, I get energized by people. Yeah. I, I really get yeah. energized by, by my purpose. Like I want to share these four things with you and they're going to make a difference in your life. And so, yeah, here's why I show up. How did the first situation where you did a public speaking engagement like that was, did someone come to your yoga class and go, Oh my gosh, Romy, you're so positive. I love your vibe. Will you please come to my corporate uh, you know, my, my business and give a speech or was it that you took a training in it and then like sought an opportunity? What was your first like endeavor yeah. in that direction? I'm trying to remember what my very first endeavor was. And I think it might've been, I think it was someone who, 
took my spin class and my yoga class and she and I, I, I would always give tips and things for, you know, you to do at home and things like yeah, that. And yeah. she was holding a care, she was having a caregiver's retreat. Mm. And I, and I often talk about, you know, you're the caregiver, you need to take care of yourself. And she says, would you come and speak? And so I came and spoke. And I think that was the beginning of it. I, I spoke at a caregiver's retreat. I think there were like maybe a hundred women there wow. who were caregivers. Wow. And then I think it was from that moment on that I started, you know, asking for more opportunities and getting invited you know, word of mouth. And now I try to really kind of put myself out there. Yeah. And one of the things that I talk on is conscious leadership. So how do, how do we show up fully present mm. and mindful and, you know, in our vulnerability mm. and still show up? Uh, so I teach again, a, another year long immersion in that area. And I, the people who have taken my courses have invited me to speak at their schools, um, yeah. you know, at their yes, corporations. And yep. so yep. it's been building in that way. And I would love to, you know, find an agent and find more opportunities to get in front of people yep. because for two reasons, because you, you get, you just reach more people. Yeah. You reach more people with your message. Yes. And then as an entrepreneur, it's an opportunity to make sort of more money. Uh, with something that is like a one-time or shorter period where you just get better income. And it's just really hard being a business person, yes. an entrepreneur in the yoga world. Yes. It's, you know, you make 40 bucks a class if you're lucky. Yes. <laughs> and it, that's, that's just really hard. And at some point, I'd love to not keep working. I'm almost, I'm 59 years old. I'm going to be 59 this year. At some point, I have to retire. I don't yes. think I'll ever retire, but I just can't keep working at this pace. <laughs> And I so hear I think, I hear <laughs> yeah, well, abundance, right, is, yes, is important yeah, for us yeah. to take care. We pay mortgages. Yeah, so. <laughs> yes, and have children. Yeah, yeah. And have children. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Can you explain, you said the conscious leadership immersion. So I'm curious how to do something that runs over a year, and you said then it creates like a sangha or a group where you can stay motivated. Are you... Are you meeting physically in spaces and then having a virtual space like on a Facebook page where people are then checking in and communicating or, and, or how, how does like, well, how does the structure, how have you managed to structure that? Yeah. So the first conscious leadership immersion I did was in person where we met um, four times during the year. So every quarter and we would come together for like a weekend and then in between we would have virtual. So I've been using zoom way before. You okay, know, yeah. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. So we would meet via Zoom and do things like that. So that's the same thing that happens with my virtual group. We meet mostly via uh, via Zoom, and we try to get together, you know, for in person retreat every once in a while. But most of the curriculum is delivered, you know, via Zoom. You know, mm. we go into breakout rooms. We we do a lot of vulnerable shares, and then we have accountability partners. So it's definitely possible for someone who can't make it here physically to yep. participate as well. So yep. it's, it's both options. But again, you get to, um, you know, get some tools, get some new ways of thinking, and then you, you get, you go back into your real life and you practice it, right? Yeah. And yep. you live with it. And then you come back, you're like, you know what, that didn't work or that really worked. Or, you know, I think one of the most influential things is like you creating a language, you're creating sort of a common way of seeing the world and speaking with your family. Mm. It's, it's wonderful to go to yoga teacher training and, and do something or to go training and learn it. And then you come back and every, nobody else understands it. <laughs> yes. But when you come home and you start to insert that, like yeah. speaking from 
inarguable truth, speaking from body sensation, feeling, and thoughts. And so you're having dinner. You're like, no, I'm just noticing, you know, a little tightness in my chest and my feeling is sadness. And my thought is, you know, I'm really sad that so-and-so is not here with us right now. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a genuine way of speaking where people are like, oh, like, where did that come from? Mm. You know, so you can use that for, to really express your feelings. You know, so you could use that with your boss. Like I'm noticing, you know, anger right now. And my thought is, you know, I got passed over four times for that promotion that you promised me. I'm just, but these are my inarguable feelings, right? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not blaming. I'm just saying this is what happened. So yeah. a way of showing up really present is what I teach people and how to take 100% responsibility for the circumstances in their lives, to let go of being victims, villains, or heroes, and to show up present and be able to have honest conversations and be in integrity with their agreements. And I think that changes the world. That's amazing, Romy. I also saw that you have something called a body thrive immersion. Can you exp- um, help me understand what, what that means? Yeah. So that's, that's the one where I teach the 10 habits of Ayurveda. Oh, gotcha. All right. Yeah. So that's, so that's, so those are the two sort of long-term things that I do. And again, I do them long-term because it's easy to do something for a couple of months and then you, you fall off the bandwagon. But yes. when you practice it over and over again for over a year, it really becomes part of you. And um, you master it. That is cool. I hear you. I know you guys are, well, we're all going into winter, but I know in the Northeast, it's a little bit more um, real than it is here in Florida. But what, what kind of activities do you gauge in in the winter to like stay? I mean, I, I, can, yeah. I can get the sense that you like to be active and you're, you're moving. Do you, does that change with the season for you? No, you know, and so I'm, I'm Haitian, you know, so I was, I was born in Haiti and I'm like an island girl. I love 80 degrees, 90 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so when winter comes around, I'm like, oh my God, I call you to be my least favorite season because I'm like, winter's coming. I wouldn't even enjoy fall. But now I just really embrace the outdoors no matter what. I go for walks, you know, no matter what's happening. So I just get the right clothes in the winter and I get outside. I brought cross-country skis a couple, um, you know, a season ago to just learn to just get out there and enjoy the sunshine. Um, Hiking is one of my favorite things to do. So just walking in the woods, in our nature trails here, because we have so many of them. And I really tell people, when you're out in the element, you you, you are naturally healing your body, building your immunity. You have just a lot less anxiety. So I teach people to get out and I lead, I walk the talk. I nice. love getting outside. Nice. Um, so I go out even in dark. I'm, I go for a walk around the block before bed. And so I just enjoy the elements. The colors right now, if you can see them, are amazing. It's just beautiful here right now. It is. I had the opportunity last week to fly up to Michigan and then drive from Michigan okay. back down to Florida. And all the leaves were still on the trees. Oh. And it had that like yeah. bright red yellows, yeah. oranges, It the green uh-huh. of the evergreens. It was so beautiful. And I... We don't have that here in Florida, and I was—I haven't seen that in a while, and I, I was blown away by the beauty of that. Yes, yeah, I yeah love getting outside, and I love climbing mountains. So I take people on hikes, and um, you know, help them to climb a mountain. A lot of people are like really afraid to hike, or they haven't done it. One of the things that I I do, I work with an organization locally here that's called the Outdoor Equity Alliance, huh. and I worked with some of the other um, open space organizations. And I take people out into you know, monthly hikes, weekly hikes. And I also work a lot with taking people of color out mm. in 
into the woods, into nature, because um, a lot of people of color um, don't really have the opportunity to get out into nature, or even if they want to, they don't live close enough or have transportation, wow. or don't feel welcome or invited in the outdoors. Wow. And so um, I committed to doing that, and I do a lot of events where we do them just for, like I do a lot of women of color retreats, where we just really focus on bringing them together out in nature with our own group so that we, we can be at ease without any microaggression, <laughs> without having to um, be in sort of that place where we feel other. Yeah. Nice, and so Robbie. that's one of my missions in life and absolutely love it. It's just one of my most rewarding things that I do. And I'm fortunate to be with um, other organizations that are committed to um, bringing more equity in the outdoors. That's so cool, Romy. I feel like my next question, you, you almost already answered it, but when you're feeling like you need a little boost in motivation, it sounds like nature gives that to you, but what sources outside of nature even do you seek to get inspired? <sighs> outside of nature. Well, nature is so big. Outside of nature, <laughs> you know, it's really... Time. Maybe there's nothing time? else but nature. I mean, maybe. Yes, I know it's, some people it's use... all nature. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say time with time with my family. Yeah. Um, I really, really value family time, which we, we do most of it in nature. And time with girlfriends, like me and my girlfriends. Like, I have a, you know, a couple batches where it's just we have these times. And I, I have, uh, I belong to two book clubs. So that I I'm reading other than yoga books and, and, yeah. <laughs> and manuals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's just really precious time, valuable yeah. time where yeah. I, I I connect with with my girlfriends and with my family. And I would say, and my my spouse of 33 years, we are um, you know we go for our daily walks, and John is one of my dearest friends and and biggest uh, supporter. I just really appreciate time with my family and friends yeah. and most of that we do it out in nature. That's awesome, Romy. Again, I feel like uh, you've given me such a good sense of this, but I, I just jotted down a few questions I want to ask you. Uh, I'll go here, even though I feel like we've already have, but how much um, a part of your athleticism plays into who you are today? Because you mentioned, you know, you're very active and then, you know, maybe somebody who isn't active and is feeling a bit beat down and or having a hard time in life. Do you feel that the physical part, the athletic part or the whether it's yoga or like you said, hiking is, is absolutely critical. You know, is that yeah, something that I you, think we're made to move. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're built to move. We're made to move. And for me, it, you know, I know you know about the doshas and the constitution. I'm definitely mm -hmm. a, a vata or pita vata type. So movement is, feels really good for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we, we also, I feel more creative when I'm moving. I feel more in flow with life. And I'm learning that I need to sit still. Yeah. I need to sit and watch the sunrise yeah. and do less. Yeah. And so I tend to be the one that over, you know, over schedules and I have a lot on my list of to do's because I can do it. Um, I'm a type three in the Enneagram. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an achiever. <laughs> and so. <laughs> what, what was that? You just I, said I'm, I'm a type three. And type three in the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a personality. Oh, I didn't know that one. All right. Yeah, in Enneagram, there's nine personality types, and I'm I'm a three two, which is an achiever and a helper. <laughs> right. So I, I tend to be I have the ability, the capacity to do a lot, 
and I know that I I tend to overdo it. And so as I as I'm getting older and wiser and really focusing on philosophy and balance, I know that I have to carve out more time where I don't do anything, where yeah. I sit in silence, where I just yeah. read a book or you know, just be. Just yeah. time to be. Yeah. And I, I'm learning that as well. So instead of hiking a mountain, maybe just walk, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, just swim or just, yeah. I definitely. hear you. Finding that balance, right? It's it's an interesting, yeah. uh, what about in regards to say, how do you find a balance between eating like a healthy diet and splurging every now and again with an unhealthy one? Do you let yourself ever be like go down the path of where like I know I shouldn't have this but I'm going to do it anyway or are you like really strict about like focusing on just like eating really good or do you feel like you you have a balance there what what are your thoughts there and or advice yeah so being a yoga certified yoga health coach I I try to walk the talk yeah and so I have always called myself a flexitarian Mm. where for the most part I eat a plant-based diet I try, I work to eat very healthy. And just like I tell my clients, aim for a B, aim for a B or a B minus. That way you won't, (laughs) you will never fail. So if, if it's 80% of the time, 80% of the time you eat healthy, you, you know, you're, you're exercising, you do this and then you go out and you, you splurge. And, you know, I was talking to someone the other day who said, "Uh, I cheat. Oh, this is my cheat day. And I don't like that word. because mm. I think it's like cheating yeah, that doesn't yeah. feel right for me. That's a good point. I like to say this is what I'm I'm going to have this. I'm allowing myself to, you know, I'm having this. I'm going to have a glass of wine, um, you know, at this party. Or I will yes. have this, yeah. Yeah. you know, what's offered to me. And if my yeah. mom makes me my Haitian rice and beans and, and the legume and, and that, I'm going to have it. Yeah. But I'm not having it every day. For the yeah. most part, yeah. I eat healthy. I work out yeah. mostly every day. Um, because I'm committed to understanding how I feel when I eat a certain way. How do I feel when I drink a lot of wine? Well, it makes me sweat. It makes me, <laughs> I yeah. don't get the buzz that I want. I just sort of like wake up in a sweat in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, I don't, so I go by the feeling. So I try yeah, to do the things that yeah. make me really feel great. Yeah. When I eat an earlier and lighter dinner and I eat healthy food, I feel great. When I stuff myself with something, I feel like this lump in my belly and I, I wake up in the middle of the night, I have to take a tum. And <laughs> yeah. I don't like feeling that way. Yeah. So, yeah. so there are certain things that I will have, like my dark chocolate or I will eat, you know, what's put in front of me. If I'm a guest at your house for dinner, I'm not going to say I don't eat this and I don't eat that unless I'm allergic to it. But I will taste it now. I will be, yeah, like a, a, I will feel, you know, gracious that you cooked for me. But that's not what I'm going to eat every day. I hear you. That's so great advice. I, I totally I, believe in moderation. Yeah, that's cool. I like the aim for the B. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Versus, I got to be an A plus dieter. Yeah, and, be, and if yeah. you fall off and then you you go and you binge, I think a lot of these yogis are binge eaters and, and yeah. they hide behind this and that. Uh, you know, I'm a vegan for life. I'm a vegan for life. It's like, well, you know, for most of the time, I'm going to eat plant based and. Um, I love gnawing on a chicken bone, you know, yeah. <laughs> every once in a while it feels really good. <laughs> I'm going to make it as organic and as grass fed as possible. But yeah, yes. I, think, I think balance and moderation is the key. Yes. That's awesome, Romy. I have, 
I have a tough question for you. I, I wrote this question down and I thought like, how would I answer this question? And I don't even know if I can answer this question, but I'm, do you, are you okay if I ask it? You're like, oh, sure. now I'm nervous. Um, what, <laughs> what would be the first thing you would address if you were president? Oh, wow. That's a tough, right? That's a, yeah. That's an I know it's kind of impossible I mean, how because do you address there's so many. Thing? Yeah. How could you? I know. But if there was something that you. Like, healthcare, healthcare. I think, um, yeah. I think everyone deserves. So as, as an entrepreneur, um, and my, you know, self-employed, my husband also is, is self-employed trying to figure out how to pay for health insurance for us. Mm. We thank God we're healthy. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we pay very expensive um, health insurance for if we get hospitalized, you yeah. know, for, for disaster. But I'm self-paid for everything. You know, I went to have my knee checked out the other day. It was like, you know, $250 for yeah. eight-minute yeah. visit. Yeah. And I paid for the x-rays before that. And, and yeah, so I think that's just um, that and, yeah. and making sure that, you know, everyone gets an opportunity to vote and to to participate yeah. um, in, yeah. in, in participation <laughs> yeah. to get an opportunity yeah. to share their voice. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's so many, and of course, I guess the third thing I would say is, is our environment. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just take, you know, this global warming that we feel do- doesn't exist, but yeah, I mean, I've traveled around the country. I've seen lakes that are now, you know, that have sunk down to nothing. Uh, there's the fires, there's, yeah. Places that are underwater. And I think that's super urgent. And no, it's not too late for us to address that. Yeah. And it is a reality yeah. for us to just start to make big changes. Great answers, Romy. Thank you. And then I, I just have one, I have one more question for you. The other day when I got a chance to just have a quick co- phone call with you, um, you mentioned that you're going to be competing in volleyball. Can you tell me about that? Yes. I got a chance to play in the New Jersey Senior Olympics Volleyball um, Tournament, and I'm going to play in the National Senior Olympics Volleyball Tournament in Florida, in um, Fort Lauderdale, I think, in in May. Nice. And I love, um, I'm a competitive person, and I just love, you know, I I played in college, and I love the the connection as I'm getting older to see that I can still move, that I can still uh, feel alive in that way, and connect connect with the, the, the women on, on my team and just, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to that's do that. So awesome. and that's why I was having my knees checked out to make yeah. sure that I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but, I bet. Cause yeah. volleyball is not, not an easy sport on the body, right? I mean, maybe no sports no. easy as we, as we keep going, but no, no sport yeah. is easy, but that one is super high impact. And when I played in the, in the Olympics in a, in a couple months back, I was sore because I hadn't played in a long time yeah and I just jumped in and my body felt like a 25 year old playing but it was a 58 year old <laughs> party I was so sore you're like jump you're like wait why is my body oh, my not God. jumping yeah. why am I down there why am I down but, there? <laughs> oh my but it felt really good but I was yeah. sore so now I'm going to practice moderation and keep practicing every week so that I don't do that I don't oh, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't have any instability in my knees and that's, I yeah. hear you, Romy. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I, you'll have to fill me in on when those dates are. And I don't know if they have spectators, but I'd, I'd love to get a chance to meet you and, and maybe I could come down yeah. and watch you play. <laughs> I, I would love that. That's cool. I'll, that. I'll let you know. Well, thank yeah. you, Romy. I'm so excited that, thank you so much for taking time to uh, chat with me today. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, you know, I have one more thing I wanted to. I don't oh, think we touched on it. That, that just came up to please, me. Is, please, please, Was my experience being a, 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 a woman of color, a, yes. you know, black yoga teacher in yep. this yoga world, which I, I feel in our country is very, very white. Yeah. Um, and so that's been an experience as well. I, I remember traveling to yoga conferences and like seeing the one other black person uh-huh. there and seeing maybe a few more and just kind of like lock eye locking with them and like saying, Hey, we're here, mm-hmm. which, um, again, I, I mentioned before, I do a lot with bringing people of color into yoga or into the outdoors. And I think that that's some place where, you know, I would love to see more inclusion, more opportunities. And so, yeah, I think that's just one interesting aspect of being, you know, one of the few that's been in this, in this uh, field for a long time. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a goal of mine to be as inclusive as possible. And maybe when you come to Florida, you could offer a workshop here when you're, when you're visiting. I would love that. Absolutely. That would be so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate you bringing that up, Romy. Thank you. I know I, I feel like we're going to be, we are so much better off if we all come together and, and have a great time celebrating everyone's culture and diversity and mm-hmm. uh, being as inclusive as possible. So I, I think you're right. I had a friend, I have a friend who also is from Haiti and the other day I was talking with him and I, he actually asked me the question, he said, how come black people don't practice yoga? And mm-hmm. I didn't have a good answer for him. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that's something that is important as yoga studios. I, I am talking and listening and and I really think that's something that we can all benefit from if it's, you know, available for everybody and and mm-hmm. and made to feel welcome. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought that mm-hmm. up. And that's something I really hope um and want to work toward to improve and and um get better at and or just just have evolved to something where we're all enjoying it. And getting involved in it yeah, and feeling like absolutely. positive from it and supportive for each other. Well, yeah. And we all have to put that intention out there. And it's not just people of color. It's also people who are heavier, people yeah. in heavier bodies, yeah. um, people who yeah. have um, disabilities and men and men yeah, good um, point. as well. Right. Uh, and so I think it's opening that door to just be super inclusive and we have to make that effort and find, I don't know, get creative yeah. In, in how we make that happen. So yeah. whether it's having separate classes, whether it's having, uh, just like in the outdoors, making people feel really welcome and not just like going to that one black person in the class or that one person and keep saying, can I help you? Here's the block, here's this. Like, uh-huh. can you leave me alone? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just really <laughs> finding, <laughs> finding, finding ways. Like, and like it, not, and it is like, like not being overbearing, not, not being overbearing. Not being overbearing. When yeah. they come, yeah, yeah. right, and um, getting more, more, pe- more teachers trained, and I think there are some natural, some reasons yeah. where I think a lot of people of color are religious and feel like, oh, this is against my religion. Mm. You need to really talk mm. about what is yeah. yoga, what is the philosophy, yeah. and how can this enhance yeah. you physically and yeah. mentally and um, spiritually without having to feel threatened by all of that. So we have to get real. We have to get creative and. We have to set the intention to yeah. be more inclusive and open. 
Yeah, that's a really yeah. good, that's a great point, Rami. I, in having a conversation, uh, the last uh, uh, podcast I was able to do, I spoke with a kids yoga uh, teacher trainer or someone who's involved in teaching children. And so I brought up the question regarding, you know, if you teach kids in school um, and if there's a religious conflict that, you know, how do we go about doing that? And she made a really great point that I never thought of. She said, like, even just saying, like, bring your hands into prayer position at the center of the chest mm-hmm. or something like that, just by even implying that you're going into prayer, that maybe using the terminology, like, bring your hands together at the center mm-hmm. of your chest can completely change the intention and or the way it might be received. Mm-hmm. Do you have any insights mm-hmm. regarding that along this line of different ways that maybe would be less offensive or do you know what I mean? Like, is there, have you, yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. I think uh, you have to really think through who your audience is and what their thought is and how can you, how can you uh, find a way to deliver the feeling, the, the essence while making it accessible, Mm. you know, so, so it's wording and it's, it's keeping it simple and it's also explaining what it means to me. This is what this means for me mm-hmm. and sharing our personal stories. Mm. You know, like I, I share my stories about being raised Catholic and feeling very conflicted with mm-hmm. this. And here's what I found. Here, yep. Here's how I settled it. And here's, here's what I, you know, how it's helped me. So I think sharing our vulnerable stories and getting creative and asking other people what they've done. I think we have to do our homework. Yeah. And, and maybe skipping some of those parts, you know, yeah. where we don't have to say namaste. We could just say, I thank you, community, you know, yep. Yep. Um, for showing up. I thank you for That's coming to this class yep. and taking away some of those things that make people feel nervous uh, or suspicious or confused. And then explaining, what does this mean to me? I remember the, uh, I, I was wanting to teach yoga um as part of one of like my my Bible study classes, and people are like, "That will me. She can't. She can't teach Bible study, or she can't host." I was trying to host a Bible study in my home. Yeah. Um, she can't host Bible study. She does that yoga thing. Uh. And I was like, so I had a conversation with my pastor, and he, you know, he did some study. You know, he researched it, and I think his daughter was doing yoga in California, and she talked to him about it, and and he came to a couple of my classes, and he says, "You know, I get this. I understand all of these things that are great." What I what I would warn you is to is to just use your own words. Yeah. To, you know, to speak it in your own words and not like the words that are in the in the book or in the class or whatever, so that people understand what you mean. Yeah, that's and, great advice. You know, yeah, that's good so. insight. Yeah. I like the fact that yeah. that you brought up like doing the research and the fact that your pastor spoke with his daughter, took your class. Mm-hmm. Like that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. To be willing to step outside of potentially the comfort zone and just, hey, what do I think if I go and experience mm-hmm. this? That's pretty mm-hmm. amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Not we don't always mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's so really, it's really about yeah. giving people the experience yeah. so that they can know for themselves. How good do you feel after the stretching? Okay, well, yeah. let's just stretch. We don't have to chant. We don't have to do all those things. Just come and stretch because it starts with the body and then it goes in. You know, you, you so. made mention that you like to do chanting and I gathered obviously because you're involved with or you really love kundalini yoga. When you do involve chanting, Sanskrit chanting and or that type of mantra work, do 
you specify that at the outset so people are knowing what they're going to get involved in when they come in? Do you not do that because you want to see if they're interested and have them show up, but then start to explain what you're doing at the beginning? What is your protocol for helping to smooth out those edges? Yeah, I think so for me, I, I started introducing chanting with a lot of people that I knew, you know, like when I had a following and my classes in, so I would introduce it in small ways. Uh, I think one of the things that I do is I explain what it means. Here mm-hmm. is the translation to this mantra. Yeah. Or even Om, it's like, chant with me if you like. Here's yeah. what Om means. Yeah. And you don't have to chant. You could just be here. But, you know, know that even if you just listen, you get the vibe. You, you get the... Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you get the benefit, you get the whatever it is, right? Um, and so I think first you need to translate so that people understand yeah. what they're hearing so yeah. that they, they'll they be interested. Because it's like weird if you're just listening to something you don't understand. Yeah. So I think first translating it and explain why I feel like it's important now and what it means to me. Here's the story of this chance and what it means. Yeah. And you're supposed yeah. to be the benefits if you, if you do this. And so making it relatable, you know, you can relate to abundance, right? So Lakshmi is about abundance. And so it represents this part of us that is already there, that is already abundance or this divine abundance that's available that if we call to it, it comes to us. Mm. So something that's already here. And so I think making it relatable and simple and also giving people options. Like you don't have to chant this. I'll just chant. Sometimes I'll just chant in Shavasana, you know, That's great. I appreciate that explanation. You know, I, I, I grew up Catholic as well. And so I grew up with Amen and Mm -hmm. someone made a correlation to that really Om is the, you know, India Mm -hmm. version of Amen, Mm -hmm. which would be in the, Mm -hmm. in that. And then what's interesting, even the sound vibration is pretty similar, right? There's like that, um, and Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of (laughs) close. And so Mm -hmm. I I feel like that connection personally, like if I say Om, I feel like if I was uh, inclined toward only saying Amen, that I feel like I can make that bridge, build that bridge where I see the the similarity. And so I I don't Mm -hmm. feel like that's a conflict. But um, Mm -hmm. it sounds like sometimes you come across situations where people do feel that there's a conflict there. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you, what, what kind of advice could you give someone that is feeling that conflict to maybe move past that or through it? I mean, maybe it's not even our job to do that. Maybe we just say, awesome. I love what you do and that's great. And I'll do what I do. And like you said, you give them the option, but mm-hmm. do you ever try mm-hmm. to coach people in the direction of seeing the universality of these sounds? Yeah, I think people have to be open. And so, and I also think we have to choose how we show up in the world yeah. and we can't be there. We can't be everybody. Like we're, we're going to attract who we attract. Yeah. And I think if we're honest and, and, and genuine and really make it a point of educating and not make it mandatory, yeah. like you can be here. You don't yeah. have to do this. And if yeah. they're, if they're uncomfortable, then they can, you know, they have the choice to not show up. Yeah, exactly. And so we, we can't be everything for everyone. Yeah. And I think that we are going to attract a certain type of people, kind of people who are going to want to be with us for a particular reason. And so if, if, if it brings their energy down to be in my class, then, you know, there's thousands of teachers 
Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Kind of let go of that. It's like <laughs> if, if I've made an effort to be in integrity, to be genuine, to explain what it is, and if it doesn't rhyme with their with them, then it doesn't. And yes. Then that's okay. And some people come and then they go and then they come back. Yeah. Good point. Good so, point. Yeah. Romeo, I love the fact that you kind of brought up another discuss, uh, topic and, and I was about ready to, to um, help us um, close. And so I'm curious, is there another idea or thing, uh, something that's on your mind, something that you want to speak about? Hmm. I, I feel like we've covered it. I feel like we've covered it. I, I, but I really appreciate Yay. you Yay. For, for what you do and reaching out and speaking. It's so wonderful to to speak about what we do. I, you, I really Romy. appreciate it and, and feel like it's a privilege and you've just asked really good questions and I just feel, yeah, like it's a privilege to talk to you and Aww. to share what I love. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you. if it thank reaches you. one person, I'm just, just so happy. So thank you. I know, you know, I'm trying to break out of my comfort zone and, and just reach out to people that I've never met before. And, and you were so open and willing. And so it's a really amazing experience. And, and I feel, um, I just feel really honored to have a chance to speak with you. So I, I appreciate it. I know you're super busy and thank you so much for taking time and everybody who's listening. We love feedback. So if you want to send Romy a message or if you want to send me a message, you'll see all the links down below. And um, hopefully we can connect in real time, Romy, in the future. And if you're ever in town, we'd, I'd love to have you here to the studio. So I, I, I look forward to having f more conversations down the road. <laughs> I love that. I know. I just thought of one more thing. Oh, please. But good. In, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. In, no, but in speaking with you, yeah. even though I'm sharing my life and my story, yeah. I think what you do as, a, as someone who asks questions and as a podcaster if, even as I'm speaking with you, I'm figuring things out. I'm, mm. I'm getting an insight. Mm. I'm getting an insight on my path and how it shaped me. And I'm also thinking about ideas for the future. So I think what you do is super helpful. And I just want to appreciate you oh. for <laughs> helping me to see me. Like you help me to see me. As I'm speaking, <laughs> I see me. So I really appreciate that. Awesome, Romy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You got Be it. well. You too. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Romy is amazing. I really can't wait to meet her in person. And I really enjoyed her enthusiasm and optimism. And I hope you feel the same. Remember, you can visit her at romeyoga.com. And if you guys would like to practice some live stream yoga, she has some offerings on her website. You can also, you'll see the link in the show, show notes below if you want to do live stream with us. We offer two weeks free and you can join in. We have Ashtanga classes, Vinyasa classes, gentle yoga, yin yoga. There's a lot on offer. Kids yoga teacher training is coming up as well on live stream. And or in studio. If you live local, we'd love to see you. Come on in. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Until next time. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, Please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com.
And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review and join us next time.